let's get back to this Phoenix game because fourth quarter. Uh, there's about ten minutes left. It's gonna be two two. Yeah. This ten is going to seven. Time. This is going to seven. Oh man, my heart can't take it. I'll definitely. You know what? The first week that I'm there, it's for a bachelor party. So uh, I'm gonna be waking up extra early, hungover, because that's what I do after drinking. And there's nothing better than watching NBA basketball first thing in the morning when you wake up. So. If that's the way it goes for the next week, I will be certainly very happy with this outcome. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran. And on the line, the banger in the paint, our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia. How are you feeling? I'm feeling like Russ when KD left, you know, free reign on this podcast. <laughs> It's my team. Not, this huh? is my podcast. <laughs> we are not worthy. Uh, obviously, our our brethren, I guess, if you want to call them that, Josh is unable to join due to baby difficulties. We'll let him off the hook once in a while. You know, every every once in a while, you can call in on a sick day. You know what I mean, Rush? Do you get sick days? You know what? I'm actually going through my schedule right now, trying to figure out how I'm going to manage the NBA season finals but um you know what sick days man when they come i enjoy them but uh they're a dime a dozen damn man i'm gonna be uh going to japan when by the time this launches so not gonna hear from us for uh quite a bit of time you're gonna get some rui jersey a few weeks i might have to I'm, i'm gonna try to catch like a tokyo basketball game like a legit jbl game all right, when the Lakers are in the finals, get me a Rui jersey with the finals emblem in it. Yeah, let me let me find that on DHgate for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should be back by the finals. I'm back on the 31st. Oh, wow, okay. So just before the, like just before the finals, I think by like midway through the conference finals I'll be back towards the end. I think the finals actually start June 1st. So you're going to miss all the uh oh all man. the semifinals or the conference finals, but hey, Man. It might be your Nuggets versus uh, Jimmy Butler, the way things are going. Well, yeah, let's get into that. So, on Saturday, the 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 formerly injured Miami Heat just put a stomping down on the New York Knicks, 105-86 to in Game 3. The Heat are up 2-1. And most notably, obviously, Jimmy Butler came back from his ankle injury for 36 minutes, 9-21 shooting. Dropped a clean 28 points. Got to the line just like Jimmy always does. And uh, to be honest, again, it's just another like playoff Jimmy performance. Right, Raj? Like, there was nothing else to it. He just he just came and took over the court like he always does. And, and he was doubled for most of the game. Like, almost right from the get-go. Even on a... Um, coming off the sprained ankle that he picked up around a week earlier. Um, they were sending two bodies at him. And he was getting to the rim... He was getting open looks for his Miami Heat teammates. Um, this was just classic playoff Jimmy. Um, he is that guy. Like, I, like there are some big playoff performers. And then there's players that don't show up in the playoffs. And uh, Jimmy's just proving his worth. Uh, he brought that bubble Miami Heat team to the finals. And everyone was kind <laughs> of like, that might be a fluke. Maybe everything was working in their favor. But hey. They're they're showing the NBA what heat culture is. And to be honest, it's kind of sad to see from the NBA perspective that a team that's just really in shape, that 
Hustle's hard. Come on. You can't dumb it down to just like being in shape. No, but come on, man. But but the fact that in the regular season, Miami was uh, a yo-yo team. Like they obviously had injuries throughout the season. They never really had their whole complement of players. And even now they're missing Tyler Hero, who was a big part of their offense. But they're the way they just annihilated the Bucks, the number one seed Bucks. Obviously, we probably won't have time to get into uh, Bud getting fired, but they just walked all over them. And that was two years out of the last four that they eliminated the Bucks, um, And in convincing fashion. And then now we're looking at a Knicks team. And I think when the series first came up, we're like, this might go seven games. This could go for the Knicks. The Knicks might make it to the conference finals. And they are just stomping them. And it's just effort. It's just hustle. And I'm not saying that all of their success is hustle. It's just, you know what? In 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 the NBA playoffs, you got to put in that extra effort. And and the Bucks are not the Bucks. The Heat are doing that, and they're doing it better than any other team that is in the playoffs right now. They're basically doing pretty much what we expected Miami to do for the past couple of years, right? They show up. Jimmy performs at an optimal level. The offense is like pretty mediocre if you're not counting on Butler, especially this year without Hero from basically since game one of the Bucks series, right? The the offense is sort of stagnant and, you know, we saw in game one the big Kyle Lowry game where he stepped up out of nowhere. Game two, the Knicks pulled it off. And then game three, Butler came back for another like dominant performance, right? Yeah. But- and then on the other hand, if you look at like the Knicks, there's... There's basically three guys that they're really counting on, right? Like Jalen Brunson, we all, everyone sung his praise all year. Everyone knows how good he is. He deserved his contract over the summer. Josh Hart played, also played 38 minutes. He's a Tibbs kind of guy. He's a grit and grind. He's a, like a pure New Yorker kind of player. And then there's Julius Randle, who unfortunately still plays a lot of minutes and just, that guy just cannot buy a bucket. Yeah, like I don't know what it is. Like something about playoffs and Julius Randle just for the past couple of years just hasn't worked out very well. Yeah, I, I think there, there's a lot we can dissect about this series, but overall, um, there's a key player that you left out of there, and that's R.J. Barrett. Obviously, he was a player that I think the Knicks had expected to take a jump up, and he's been okay this year. Like he hasn't played poorly, but um, I don't think he's made that jump that they were hoping for. But this is. Two teams that in the Eastern Conference that really play a lot of defense, they slow down the pace, they try to grind out games, and the clear difference is Miami has players that can get into the paint and kick it out to capable shooters. Compared to the Knicks, where, yeah, maybe they can get two feet into the paint, maybe they can get looks at the basket, but the shooting isn't there. And the way that they're playing offense, it's very much isolated, there's not a lot of ball movement, it's a lot of Brunson trying to work his matchup and hopefully get doubled or hopefully need some help defense and then finding the open man and uh, Miami's just out hustling them they're they're beating the Knicks at their own game um, but yeah, the, the Knicks are in trouble like uh, even in game 2 Jimmy Butler, the heart and soul of the team wasn't playing and they had to squeak out a victory, right? So um if I'm New York, I, I, you know what? Enjoy the games. 
Um, game five, <laughs> like you cheer on your team. I, I think right now, unless there's another injury, Miami is not going to lose this series. Like they're up like right now. And uh, I don't see a way back for uh, the Knicks. Oh man. Friend of the pod, Daryl Wong is not going to be happy about this. <laughs> Annihilation of the Knicks. Here. But no, but the the Knicks, it's not like the Knicks are a very bad team. It's just like they've met a team that does things a little better and they have a bit more shooting. And I think Jalen Brunson's an excellent player, but Miami just has better shooting, a a more consistent system on offense, where either Lowry, Butler, um, Bam to a lesser degree, they just get into the paint and then kick it out to one of their shooters. And the problem with the Knicks is if Brunson gets into the paint, you have players like Randall, Barrett, uh, on the wings. You just don't have those classic three point shooters and who are, you trust to shoot 35, 38% and high volume shots. And another thing too, and again, just on Randall's point, the windows are smaller in the NBA playoffs. Like, you don't get to bully people as often. There's a lot more help defense. Teams set their matchups a lot more. They're able to read your tendencies. And Randall has to have a bit more variability or variety to his game. And that's really holding him back. Yeah. The uh, the Miami Heat outscored the Knicks 50-36 to in the paint in Game 3. And what about... It's pretty indicative of how... Remember in the first round how we all saw... Then, like, Mitchell Robinson specifically just dominate the Cavs. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley had nothing on Mitchell Robinson alone. In Game 3, Mitchell Robinson played 14 minutes. Yeah, and, and they're playing him right. off the court because what, what happens is they're bringing him out of the paint and putting him in that pick-and-roll action. And as soon as he's out of the paint, they lose their rim protector. And then Jimmy or Kyle Lowry. Like, the, the craziest thing in the last game, and I'm not sure if you saw it, like, Cody Zeller had three easy dunks because they did a pick and roll with Lowry and Zeller and they couldn't stop it. They, they, if you play drop, Lowry was going to pick and pop, right? And if they even hedged a little, Zeller just does a soft roll to the rim and they were finding him on every attempt. It was just like, uh, I think they can get that almost any time. And instead of Zeller, it'll probably be bam if it really comes down to a close game. Your shout to Cody Zeller, man. Somehow still in the league. Him and Plumley. I don't understand how, but he's still here. Yeah, yeah. him and Plumley. They find that we're on rosters. <laughs> yeah, Mason Plumley's good, man. Mason Plumley deserves to be on a legit playoff roster. Yeah. If the Nuggets had Mason Plumley, I would feel much better about that team. But let's just continue on. Uh, another blowout, man. This game got out of hand real quick. The Warriors. Down 97 to 127 against the Lakers on Saturday night as well. Uh, I mean, the the Warriors just came out chucking in the first quarter, Raj. And I think it was like a 30 to 23. And then uh, something switched with the Lakers. I think that Anthony Davis remembered that, uh, you know, he could cover both the perimeter and the inside in a possession when he's healthy, which he is right now. LeBron James has figured out that he doesn't need to score all the time, but. He sort of like figured out that spot, that sweet spot, kind of like Chris Paul has in like later in age where they can sort of just chill, just coast, get their like numbers easily. And then like as soon as the defense is looking a little sloppy or they look a little hurt, they just attack like hard. 
And, I mean, what, what am I really going to say about LeBron? He's played 20 years. We've seen him do it in every type of manner. So, new, old age LeBron, pretty interesting to watch. I like it. It's it's kind of just like picking out your spots even more so than he has before. But, I mean, overall, if the if the Warriors can't get Steph any, like, any kind of space whatsoever... You know what I mean? If Clay can't shoot better than like 30% or 35% in a game, there's nothing else the Warriors can really do, right? Like, we like to talk about the Warriors having all of the spacing and like the the Warriors dynasty, like being a three-point shooting team. It's really just those two players plus a bunch of extra guys who shoot like a mediocre amount of threes. It's not like those, it's not like Jordan Poole or Dante DiVincenzo are like gunning from the three, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, it's it's really Steph versus the Lakers, and it's funny to say that because, like you mentioned, the Warriors have been a team that's, in the past seven years, eight years, they've been known as a complete team, like uh, a team with a good bench, contributing players, uh, they have a lot of good ball movement, and not to say they don't have that right now, but uh, they obviously rely on Steph to drop at least 30, 35 points for them to win. Um, and again, I think Steph's perfectly capable, but when you shoot that many threes, you rely a lot on variance, a lot on if your shot's falling that game or not. And, um, it's bound to happen that you're going to have a few games where the shot just don't fall. The shots don't fall. And, uh, Hey, I know this is crazy to say, but right now, given the series and the score of the Phoenix and Denver series that we'll probably get to. It's not crazy to think that the Lakers are probably the favorites to come out of the West. Like, they must be right up there. Um, Obviously, AD is probably the most polarizing player in terms of play. Like, one game he'll show up and he'll give you 28, 29 points on like 60% shooting, 5 blocks, 12 rebounds. And the next game, it'll be a a measly 11 points on 30% shooting. And uh, you don't expect that from a player whose most of his shots are at the rim um, or mid-range jumpers. Like, you expect a bit more consistency. And the Lakers are just having better bench contribution. We joke about Rui, but hey, he's probably the best <laughs> bench player both teams have um, coming off the bench. Like, right now in the series, who's having a best bench role for either team? Has to be Rui. Uh, I mean, uh, just it's either it him or Dennis Schroeder. It's either him or Schroeder. Let's be real. Sure, Schroeder's helping a lot, especially with guarding Curry and Thompson and having just a guy who's willing to run like crazy on the perimeter. But Rui's up there. And um, it's funny because we used to laugh at the Lakers' depth. But yeah, like uh, I, I think the Warriors are in trouble. Uh, I don't think they're going to win another game. I expect the Lakers to win Whoa. game four and then it's three one and and like obviously Steph can pull out a masterclass performance and we might have a game six and who knows, maybe a game seven, but like you mentioned, LeBron's just resting and when he needs to turn it on, he can. And this is coming from someone who has my own have I have my own thoughts about LeBron. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, we're all um mediocre fans of LeBron to say the least here I don't think any of us are big fans or either of us in this case are big fans of LeBron but you gotta show respect man he's the greatest he's been player out for 20 years he's the greatest player oh is he not the greatest wow. he's not my favorite player no let, let's not go there and and let's not go into the oh like 
he's the most clutch or no, like I'm not going there, but the stats are there. The championships are there. The dominance is there. The longevity is there. There's like no real big question marks in his career. Wow. The, I, I mean, you play 20 years, you're going to get a lot of stats rush. Yeah, but uh, to play 20 years, you have to be pretty good. And to make it, uh, what, eight or nine championships in a row? Uh, I think it was eight. Um, that's saying something. Yeah, I I understand. But Lebr- when LeBron is like a top 10 all-time scorer in three-pointers made, that's when you know 20 years goes a long way. <laughs> His shooting has never been that good to be a top 10 three-point yeah. shooter. But Amen. whatever, let's just get back on track. The Warriors are once again going to have to figure something out if they want a real chance in this series, right? In Game 2, they made the adjustment of bringing in Jermichael Green and having Kevon Looney come off the bench because he was sick. And Jermichael Green put in, like, I think it was 9 or like 11 big points for the Warriors. They have to do something else, like, in that fashion, right? Like, they need to find another factor that they can bring in they need to find a new defensive scheme that they can do that they can use against anthony davis or in like the most realistic option of them all hope that anthony davis just puts out some another dud like he's been doing all all playoff long like if you look at his game log it literally just goes up and down up and down up and down every literally every game it goes up and down up and down so game what's the next game game four i'm pretty sure we can expect uh a back to earth Anthony Davis game. I thought you were going to say injury because that's like equally as likely. Um, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not trying not to wish injury no, on I'm, players. Like unlike I, somebody here, I, I'm not trying to know? wish injury on nobody. I'm just trying to say <laughs> that like there's a chance that he gets injured. Like his longevity is obviously a big question, and his ability to stay on the court. But um, just to add one more thing to the Warriors, if you kind of like look at basketball in terms of how many points can you roughly expect from players and where are you making up the rest of your points like if Steph has an average game he's scoring 30 points right if Clay has an average yep. game he's scoring 20 if Wiggins has an average game he's scoring 20 that's around 70 let's say that they some of the players have a little above average games you have 80 points you still need somewhere between 25 and 30 points from the supporting cast and that's really where the big question mark comes from can you trust Poole for that? Can you trust Green for that? DiVincenzo's not going to give you those points, right? Like Looney, probably a few putbacks here and there. But to get 30 points consistently and assuming that Clay and Wiggins have average games, um, it's it just the math is hard to add up compared to the Lakers who the scoring's a little more balanced. You still have like a few players that could give you 20, like Rui, D'Angelo Russell in game three. Um, you never know when um, Austin Reeves can drop another 20 points. Like there's a, there's a lot more ways you can get to 110 points. So, um, hey, I know you guys are hating on the Lakers, but they're probably going to be in the Western Conference Finals. And Peter, when you get back, we might have the Lakers in this final logo. Man, if the Lakers make it to the finals, I might... I'm going to lose my mind. Rob Polinka, GM of the year? <laughs> <laughs> he might be, man. Pulling off the, these, these kind of trades at the trade deadline? Come on, man. We'll, we'll see. Bring in, like... You know what the funny part is? He brought in, like, three or four players from last year's Timberwolves. <laughs> That's it. 
Imagine if the Timberwolves just kept those players and didn't get Rudy Gobert. Where would they be this year? Who knows? It doesn't help. Thoughts. It, it it doesn't help that they're in LA, or it doesn't hurt that they're in LA. But let's let let's stick to the regular season talk and playoff talk before yeah. we get into the off season talk. Ugh. Uh. Well, we're literally recording as the Denver Phoenix game is going on, so I don't know if we need to talk about the game. Let's just say that uh, Devin Booker is absolutely incredible. And uh, dropped forty five points with barely going to the line until like two garbage points at the end of the at the end of the game in game three. Yeah, Devin Booker, a bad man, probably the best two guard in the league right now. So, so, so as a Nuggets fan, how do you stop the Suns? I'm, sure. I'm worried. Yeah, but how do you stop the Suns? Like, what what did the Suns do, or what can the Nuggets do going forward <clears throat> to stop what happened in game three from repeating itself? Because the, the Nuggets actually played really well, and they were in that game for probably 45 minutes, and then near the end, the Suns just kind of pulled away. Um, mm-hmm. But And Jamal Murray, that in itself is a separate issue, but how do you stop the Suns? I mean, I mean, realistically, you sort of just have to make the other guys beat you, right? You pressure Booker and Durant as much as you can and get them to give up the ball whenever you can, and just make sure you stay attached to Booker. That guy, like, hits incredible shots. And his ability to create space in the mid-range is, like, it's, like, top tier. You know what I mean? Like, he's as good as DeMar DeRozan is in in creating space in the mid-range. So, how can you really stop or slow down Devin Booker? You probably don't slow him down that much. But you can probably reduce it from 45 to 30. And then see if Terrence Ross can beat you. Or Landry Shamit. Josh Okoji can hit some shots. DeAndre Ayton will decide whether he wants to play basketball or not. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things that, as a Nuggets staff or team, whatever, like, whatever, from the Nuggets perspective, I think you have to do. And then same thing with KD. Just hope that Aaron Gordon slows him down enough, even though he's in foul trouble all the time because KD's foul hunting. Smartly foul hunting. But there's nothing else you can really do. They're two of the best scorers in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you had to stop one or send a double to one of those guys and help your chances to win, who are you doing? You know what's funny? In game three, that exact situation happened where Booker had the ball at the top of the key, like at the three line, and Aaron Gordon went to double off of KD. And the KD was just like, what is this? Never in his <laughs> life has someone yeah. uh, left him. I've literally never heard that sentence before. Someone doubled off from KD. Yeah. He missed a shot because he was cold in game three, but thankfully, but yeah, yeah, it was a it was a weird sequence to see. Yeah, the only thing I would have to say is, if I'm the Nuggets, KD's done it in the playoffs longer than Booker has, and obviously Booker's younger, and um, he's obviously still an amazing scorer. Obviously, he has some games where he's not shooting as well or he's a bit off, but I agree. I actually think you have to double KD. Or, no, sorry, let me say that again. I think you have to double Booker because you know KD can go off. And that's kind of expected. I think just throwing Booker off his rhythm because he's a, he's a rhythm player. And if he doesn't start hot, I feel like generally the games don't go that well. So early on, get the ball out of his hands, get him frustrated, get a body on him. And even if they're winning and he's not scoring, I could, I could sense that that probably doesn't sit well with him. Uh, he's definitely a, a bona fide scorer. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know if it doesn't sit well, but at least you can. Yeah, you're right. Get him off his rhythm because you gotta do anything you can to slow him down. 
at this rate, right? You throw multiple defenders at him and just hope that he slows himself down. Uh, do we want to hit on this Philadelphia-Boston game real quick? Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I mean, game... I'm committed. Game four? I'm committed. Game four? <laughs> You're committed. Do you see that Doc interview? After... Uh, uh, I... Uh, you can explain it. Yes. You can explain it. Well, it, it, you have to see it, but basically Doc was really frustrated with Jason Tatum's no call on the push-off uh, when he pushed off Maxi and scored the three, which put the Celtics up too. Um, and the referees, I think every fan in the stadium, even if you're a Celtics fan in the 76ers arena, you were like, oh, that probably was a, a push-off. And uh, it was. Doc had used this challenge earlier in the game, and you can't really challenge a no call, right? So um, that's kind of the issue with the NBA right now, and that'll be an off-season issue. But um, he basically blasted a reporter. He kind of gave him some attitude. He's like, I want you to commit. Was that a push-off? I'm committed. Commit. And so, you know, what? we're committed to talking about this. I'm very surprised the 76ers were able to pull out this win. Um, I think they almost threw this game away. The Celtics were in it for the most part. They were down 13 for most of the third. And they were able to pull up, pull into the lead, get a five-point lead. But, hey, credit the 76ers. They scored when they needed to. And, hey, probably for the first time in a long time, James Harden showed up in the playoffs. Like, big time. Obviously, game one he did. Um, but two times in a series... Man, he's probably feeling really good for himself. <laughs> the question is, can he do it at least one or two more times, right? We'll see. It's that's, the best of three that's now. That's a real issue. And uh, you know what? The Celtics didn't play all that bad either. So we'll see. How, do you feel, how did you feel about Joe Missoula not calling a timeout at the end of both the fourth quarter and overtime? With his team with the with the ball in hand at the very end, because both honestly, both possessions to end the game and to end uh, the fourth quarter, awful. Yeah, it's just awful. I'd say the regular draw something up. Yeah, the regular um, in in the normal fourth quarter during regulation, that that play again wasn't the worst. I think you can live with it. Like you're trying to not slow the game down, you're not trying to get that Philadelphia RAS, not set up their matchups, but the one when you're down one point, they took forever to get into their offensive set and brutal. And you see that a lot. Like you brutal. do want to make sure you get the last shot, but maybe this comes down to Missoula. Like I think there's been rumblings where he's a little more free flowing offense. He trusts his guys. Um, and if there was a different coach like Brad Stevens or, um, definitely not Bud, cause we know Bud's not calling no timeouts. Um, but like Nick Nurse, Eric Spolstra for sure, Pop, like the elite coaches, you'd probably see a timeout there, a guaranteed look. But hey, to Marcus Smart's credit, he made the shot just like what, half a second too late? I mean, yeah, but a half a second at the end of the game really matters. Also, maybe not get into your offense with six seconds left in the game. You know what I mean? You had the ball with like Down 10 one. or 12 seconds left. Down one, too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe not just chill at half court until there's six seconds left. I, this whole, like, the it was the same thing in the four, at the end of the fourth. The decision-making by the Celtics was so, like, I, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but it was, like, too chill. 
You know, like they thought they they thought they had it in hand the whole way through. And it's just like sometimes as a player, you need to understand that there's like urgency here, right? Okay, my coach doesn't want me to call a timeout or he doesn't want to call a timeout himself. But like, let's set up a play with 10 seconds instead of six. I think players, because I remember when you were younger, whenever you were down, like down the stretch of the shot clock. Players would start would start a play with like nine or ten seconds left, because in the case that the defense figures out what you're doing, you have an option as a backup plan, right? In this case, the option for the backup plan was that Marcus Smart three, but if you had started it like two seconds prior, he would have gotten the shot off easily, rather than being late by like two by like half a second. And and you got to but uh, but those are also like growing pains too for like a young team I guess. But this team went to the finals like Jason Tatum's first year he was in the Eastern Conference Finals so like I, I don't think we can solely blame it on that. I think the bigger thing that I take away from this agree completely with uh, Missoula not calling the timeout and them being a bit lackadaisical. I think they were. I think I also have to give credit to Philadelphia. Like they understood the situation. It clearly looked like Tatum wanted to take that last shot. It was his team. And in both situations, Tatum didn't. You know why? Because they knew they could send the other body because they knew that the pass was going to take time. And you see a lot of times in basketball, especially in the regular season, where you know who's going to take the last shot. And you're like, why are you letting him go one-on-one with so-and-so player? Why not get the ball out of their hands and make someone else beat you? Especially when they're, they're trying to take the last shot. So if you know four or five seconds, send the send the double because then they have to think about the pass, the catch, the shoot. And like uh, I give some credit to Philadelphia there. Again, I was very surprised they uh, they pulled out the win. But uh, hey, that's NBA playoff basketball for you. Hell of a series. I still don't think it's going to game seven. I think Boston is just a superior team. Um, in the games that Philadelphia won, the, the games were tight. In the games that Boston won, Boston kind of ran away with it. So I expect some of the same in game five, six, and hopefully uh, hopefully we get some good games, but we shall see. Yeah. Game seven would be nice. I'd, I'd wake up in like the early, early mornings in Japan to watch game sevens. I'm just saying. Do so it. If any of these teams are listening. Yeah. Hang out with Rui's family. Um, random note. <laughs> Sorry? Rui's family. Hang out with Rui's family. I'll find them. Don't worry. I'll, I'll just look for the black ones out there. <laughs> uh, the Philadelphia 76ers had three players who were in positive value today. P.J. Tucker was a plus one. Tobias Harris, plus 14. And Paul Reed, plus one in six minutes of play. Everyone else was at a zero or a negative, including James Harden, who was minus six with 42 points. Wild, wild game, man. Wild. Wild game. Wild, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's just call it here, man. And on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. We're on all the socials. I'm talking TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace. (laughs) 